Welcome to Handbags at Dawn, the podcast that believes the insides of people's bags are like boxes of chocolates. Yes, because you never know what you're going to get, but also because there are very often chocolates in there. Only for emergencies, you understand. Okay! We're your handbag fixated hosts, Charlotte Edmonds and Jessica Johnson. I started out in radio before working as a TV creative at Psycho for nine years. I also started out as someone who never had to sacrifice at least 15 minutes each morning begging someone to put on their shoes. But now I'm a mum, I've seamlessly integrated this into my daily routine. I'm a journalist and editor and have worked for the Sunday Times, Net-a-Porter and Matches Fashion. I'm also a mother of two, a wife of one and a master of none. This is the one where we talk to the real life Mary Poppins. So it's entirely apt that we're accompanied by birdsong throughout our podcast as we discuss the rise of parenting fear, examine the importance of setting boundaries and big up brilliant dads. This is without doubt the best behaved we've ever been on the show, which is testament to her calming influence. We're over the moon to welcome our wonderful guest this week. This exceptional maternity nurse has brought a voice of reassurance and reason to many hundreds of frazzled families, including A-list superstars and royalty, transforming tantrums and tears to laughter and love with her kind and reassuringly sensible advice. Years of experience working as a nanny and raising her own three children led to this now grandmother writing three best-selling books packed with practical parenting advice, as well as starting her own extremely successful childcare consultancy. She also once put up with a then-aged eight me doing a daily performance of Elton John and George Michael's hit Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me during her family's fortnight-long French holiday, which I'd invited myself along to, confirming my suspicions that she does indeed have the patience of a saint. This is the simply lovely Rachel Waddylove. Welcome to Handbags at Dawn, Rachel. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's lovely to have you here. It's great. Thank you for finding us. Well, we nearly didn't. <laughs> Devon is very confusing, even though I lived here for a long time. <laughs> Ultimately, we're here to talk about handbags, Rachel. Okay. Could you describe your handbag to us first? Um, yeah, my handbag is new and I absolutely love it. It's just a summer bag and it's got horses all over it. It's not too heavy, not too big, although I do overfill it from time to time. And I just think it's right smart. I'm quite pleased with it. <laughs> it's right <laughs> it smart. That actually makes me feel better to know that you still overfill bags. It's looking quite organised this afternoon, but actually sometimes it's got a lot of stuff in it. <laughs> Well, would you like to have your first rummage in your bag for your first item? I will. Okay. Right. Now, what should we have first of all? Right. I found here my new baby book. It's the revised baby book that I've redone. It first came out 10 years ago and now it's come out in a new format and uh, it's selling very well, which is great. So that's my, that's the biggest thing in my handbag at the moment. It looks phenomenal. I had the original version of this and I bought it for everybody I know who had a baby. So I'll be buying them this new one. What's the difference between the original one and this one? Um, I wanted to bring it up to date because in the 10 years since I wrote the other one, we've had the rise of the use of the internet. So I find there's a lot more fear with new mums now. You know, instead of turning to a book, they go straight onto the internet and Google it. And actually in the middle of the night, that's perhaps not the right thing to do because then they're really frightened. So one of the things I wanted to do was to add more information in and to try and take away parents' fears, um, and I always say that there's no perfect way to parent, and we're all individuals. I have to say, Rachel, that sadly I didn't have your book when I had my two, and I wish that I had. It would have changed my experience completely, I can see that, because what I love about it is that it's very much focused on the mother and the family, and I think so much of what mothers get now, it's all very much focused on the baby, and and they sort of dictate everything, in a way. It is. 
you're absolutely right. And actually, um, there's been a lot of publicity over the new book because I have said that little ones and children are almost becoming like little tin gods so that the whole family sort of falls around them instead of baby coming and fitting into family life. Everybody sort of bows down to this little person and it's not good for them long term because if they think that they can get anything at any time, by the time they go to school, they're going to have a bit of a shock. Is that cemented quite early on? Yes, I think it is because I think it's a mindset with parents. I mean, in a way, that's really where it starts. It's in the cradle. I think if you've been very overprotective, and I say that carefully because babies are precious and I love babies and love children, so I wouldn't want anybody out there to think that, you know, I was a dragon <laughs> with this. <laughs> they um, couldn't possibly. You know, <laughs> you're really not. <laughs> but, you know, and, and babies, I love babies and I'm passionate about family life because I don't like to see husbands and partners excluded and out of the family bedroom so that the baby's in the bedroom and mum's with the baby and there's the husband or partner in another room and that's no good for relationships and it's no good for family life. So that little person who thinks he's kingpin needs to be in his own room. What sort of examples have you seen? Where have people gone wrong? What I see is because I see the little ones and really within the first year and it's all to do with sleep and it's not the fault of the mum because actually mums today aren't told that really you need to feed your babies well, you need to swaddle them and tuck them in their cots and let themselves settle. They're not actually told that. They're told feed on and off all the time. I wanted to ask you about that, the sort of phenomenon of mother's guilt and whether this is a new thing or whether this is something that women have had forever. I think probably as women we've always felt guilty over some things because that's what we're like, isn't it? And if something doesn't work, we always think it's us, you know, that it's our fault. But I think now, because there's such pressure put on mothers to do it right, that actually women do feel guilty. You know, they feel guilty if they can't breastfeed. And anybody would think that formula was poison, the way that it's talked about. Absolutely. So I think, yeah, there is a lot of guilt with mums today. One thing that is good about being on the internet in the middle of the night is that you don't feel alone. Because we all move away now, don't we, from our families. And NCT groups become increasingly important. Friendship becomes important. And the internet becomes important because you've got to get support from somewhere. But then that's often the blind leading the blind isn't it you know nobody knows I know that's the problem that is the problem and then mums can say to me well I read this somewhere and I saw that somewhere and somebody else said this and then they're in such a muddle they don't actually know what to do and actually that's worse than the place they started at in the first place and I always say go back to basics what did your mum do or your granny do what's your gut instinct about what you should do with your baby because actually usually that's fairly right most of my time I spend trying to build mother's confidence that actually it's okay and actually what you're doing is absolutely fine and actually then having done that they sort of relax because they need to know that it might not be quite the way that somebody else might do it but actually does it matter as long as it fits the family and the baby's happy and the parents are happy that's what it's all about. That's what I really loved about all the books that you've written is that it's not one size fits all with this you say if this doesn't work try that and maybe if not that maybe try this and it's just really human advice 
advice. I think that's the thing really, isn't it? It's that basic practical stuff because actually that's where I've been for most of my life helping mums and it's the practical side. It's not the scientific research. I'm not banging that in any way, but there's nothing like practical experience and hands-on. What's it like for you? Because you're going into family homes and probably seeing them maybe at their lowest ebb. It's really interesting because often when I go to a home, I've never met them before. So until the door opens, I don't know who I'm going to meet or what they're going to be like. And very often I'm handed the baby as soon as I'm over the doormat. Are you really? There you go. Fix it. Thank goodness you're here. Actually, over the years, Charlotte, you learn very quickly to see where a family's coming from, just in body language. Always, really. I'm just very, very gentle while they get to know me and I get to know them. Because they're the parents, she's the mum. And as I'm banging on about all the time, it's your choice. It's not my choice. I can say, if this little one was mine, this is how I'd do it. But you don't have to take that advice if you don't want it. But I mean, if they paid for me to come in, normally they want some advice from me that's going to work. But yeah, fascinating. All sorts of different families, but lovely. When you um, worked with Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin and with Mini Driver, they've endorsed your books and done forewords in them, haven't they? And the royal family. Is that intimidating or is it a family like any other family? It's a family like any other family because Charlotte Birth is a great leveller. And actually, whoever you are, whether you're Lady so-and-so or you're Mrs. So-and-so, actually, we all go through birth in the same way as women. And if you put a group of women in a room together from different backgrounds, we'd all have stories to tell. As women, we're all very much the same when it comes to giving birth. Do people ever put on a pretense? Not wanting to let down that facade quite yet. People are just, by the time they've got to me, they've actually tried a lot of other things and they've said, right, can't do this anymore. I'm absolutely at the end of my tether. So when people come to me through the website, I try and get back to them that day. They know that I'm there. And if they're really desperate and tearful, then I will drop most things, you know, all I can to talk. And so what would be the main piece of advice that you would give to a family who are bringing a baby home for the very first time? I think for mum to make sure she gets rest when she can, because mum is very important. Everybody says it's the baby, but actually mum's really important because if mum's not well, then everything goes out of kilter. Obviously, it's really important that the baby's well fed and baby is tucked down in its cot to have some sleep so that mum can have a rest. And also, I think that if people offer to bring in meals and to help or take baby for a walk, say yes. Don't be proud and say, oh no, I can't do that. (laughs) Sleep is the key, isn't it? It really is. (laughs) But now, Rachel, you were with a new baby last night, weren't you? And and I I just kind of wondered how how you managed that. I don't do too many nights on the trot now, Jess, because I find it exhausting. But no, last night I was up and actually baby's six weeks. So it was just doing the one night, which just helps mum. I'm so So, jealous. I know. (laughs) The trouble is though that you know what it's like when you're a tired mum and somebody gives you one night. Oh, you want some more, don't you? Because actually the next morning you feel almost worse than you did without the sleep. Because as soon as your body starts to relax, then it thinks, oh, sleep. Do remember what that was. That is a good idea. (laughs) I could do with some more of that. (laughs) How do you cope then the next day? So, I mean, you're looking remarkably fresh. I'm all right at the moment, but probably by about eight o'clock tonight, I should be crashing out. Um, Do you ever have moments where you're just extraordinarily tired? But I don't do so many nights on the trot now. I mean, I used to do a month or six weeks at a time and have just one day off a week. And that was an absolute killer. Must be so hard because when it's your baby, you kind of go, it's okay, because I love you. 
in your blood. But when it's your job, and presumably you have to be nice to people the next morning, you can't be like, how are you? I'm awful, actually. You can't do that, can you, when you're maternity? No, I can see why you're wearing that one in. Has there ever been a baby that's sort of thrown a massive curveball at you? Oh, yeah, there are. There are babies who are much more difficult to teach to sleep. And in my experience over the years, it's often if the parents are very highly strung, highly wired, perhaps extremely social, never stop sort of parents. And and I have found that in the past, that actually it's really hard to teach those babies to sleep. I've never had a baby or a child who I can't train. So I always say to mums, please don't give up. And how many children do you think you have helped? <laughs> oh my goodness, I have no idea. <laughs> Wild guess. Thousands? Well, I probably have. Everybody's written down in my books somewhere because obviously every person I'm with or speak to, it's all logged. So if somebody's rung me a fortnight ago and then rings in again and says her name and I said, and she says, well, I've spoken to you before. I, yes, yes, I remember. Let me just get my book. Let me just look at my notes because then she hasn't got to go through it all again. And I can see the advice I gave her and say, okay, what's happening? Is it working or do we need to tweak it? That three day rule, three days to make a happen. Habit and three days to break a habit was always what I had in my head every time like second night in a row I was sobbing on the stairs going I can't do it and my husband's going come on one more day one more day um, did I invent that rule potentially I must well I think three or four days I mean it doesn't take long to make a habit and actually if you're consistent and you persevere you can break that habit too those are the two words I always use be consistent decide what you're going to do you and your husband or your partner decide on a strategy there's no good if one of you is going to do it and the other isn't. That's absolutely disaster. And if one of you is weaker than the other, then the stronger one really needs to support the weaker one. Say, right now, come on, we're going to do this. Because there's something about with a baby or a child that when the parents have made up their mind that they're not having any more, either getting out of bed or waking up in the night, there's something that happens in a child's mind. They sort of sense, okay, do you know what? I'm not going to get away with this. They know when they've They they've seem to know. To and I don't understand what that is. But there comes a time when it's, might as well give up on this one then, because I'm not going to get anywhere. <laughs> These guys mean business yes, now. Okay. Exactly. It's taking back our control as parents, isn't it, really? And I know people don't like the word control, but I think actually we're putting the boundaries in. Because if we don't put boundaries in, nobody else is going to do it. So often you find yourself negotiating with a two-year-old, <laughs> going, how has this how, become yes. a thing? And how are you outwitting me? They will find that little yeah, chink in your armour and they will exploit it. <laughs> <laughs> what was your experience with your family? and with your children how did it work well we were farming so I mean I was involved with the business but then I was at home all the time which was absolutely lovely did you envisage that that's how your life would be did you set out knowing you were going to be a mum I always wanted to be a mother I wanted to have six children really Charlotte did you <laughs> only wow. got three yes like I would have loved number four is that because you wanted to recreate your childhood because you were one of six yes I think so I mean I'd say six but I would have loved to have had four children I just think four is a lovely number but anyway that wasn't to be so I'm very thankful and very appreciative that I've been able to work with other families and look after lots of babies. But I mean, I would never have thought that my career would have taken off again. I got married early and had the children early. And then, of course, when they were leaving home, I was still relatively young. So able to start my career then. I certainly didn't set out to do this, but it's just grown, really. That's a really lovely thing for women to hear, because I think a lot of women, when they have their children, they just don't know Mm. what they're going to do about their work and their career. And so that's a wonderful example of how 
things can grow yes. and change yeah, and, and through I'm, your life. I, thank you, Jess, for that. I think I'm always encouraging women. If you might not be able to go back to the career that you had, there's lots of other things that women can do. Go and do something else. You don't know what else is out there for you. Do you think that now there's a lot more expectation for women to do everything so that yes. they have the full-on career yeah. and they're at home with mm. the children and yeah, it's I challenging? Think, I think definitely. I think there's a huge pressure on women to go back to work. You have to do what you can do, really. I don't know if you feel this, but I think all the pressure is on women going back to work, women staying home with the children. The male role has changed massively. I know so many incredibly hands-on dads. But then at the same time, they also are expected to work really hard and have a loving, happy relationship. How has the role yeah. changed for men in your experience? I think the role for men has changed hugely since we had our children in the 70s. John didn't change a nappy or feed and wasn't involved at all. And actually, I didn't expect him to be. We were living in an era where actually dads just didn't do it. But I think it's really lovely that dads are so hands-on. And I think, Charlotte, as you say, there are masses of dads out there who are great fathers. And it's not just babysitting, it is parenting. I'm always going into homes where the dad does the supper. And I say, oh, you're brilliant. <laughs> said, oh, I wish I had one of you yeah. <laughs> so, to do the cooking. And I'm always banging on about how important dads are. Because I sometimes think, as you say, that women get out there in front. And actually, this dear old dad holding everything together and earning a living. And sleeping in the spare bedroom. sleeping in the spare bedroom, exactly. <laughs> and he doesn't give a mention. I was with one of my families oh, quite a long time ago now and I arrived the day that mum had come home with the new baby and I think it was number two and there was a grandma from both sides and there was a health visitor and there was me and I won't repeat his language but he said, <laughs> oh, he said, I'm going to the pub. He said, this is just like the mother's union here and I've had enough. And it just made me think, yeah, actually, sometimes there's too many women about and I think for dads it's quite a tough place to be so as much as our generation might think oh gosh where is us we've got so many demands yes. on us we've actually got a lot more support on the home front yes. than maybe we give credit for I feel like we should celebrate and encourage it yeah. it's almost you've sort of got to let them yes. <laughs> I think that's slightly the yes. female condition is we go no 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 I'll do it I'll, I'll save it. time I'll do it yeah. he's going to do it only my way isn't necessarily right yeah, I think you that's know. right we can as women be a little bit controlling <laughs> Daddy, you're so handsome. This is the sound of someone telling us we have to move on to your second item, Rachel. Oh my goodness Shall me, we right. Okay, well I've got a lipstick here. Ooh. My pink lipstick, which is the same colour I've had for years because it's a great colour and I need a lipstick just in case I suddenly have to meet somebody who I might need to have some makeup on and I haven't got any. <laughs> so I always have a lipstick in my bag. This glamorous lipstick, where's it taken you? Where's it been applied? Oh, well, I have been in lots of different parts of the world with my work. I've been as far as Japan. I've been to Hong Kong. did quite a lot of work in Monte Carlo for a bit. Fabulous. Which was great. Yes, I had quite a few years going backwards and forwards down there. I've done quite a bit in Dubai. So that's been interesting, going backwards and forwards, doing seminars and home visits. How is international parenting different? With Dubai, it's mostly expats and it's all about sleep because obviously expats travel lots and often your child or your baby can be fine when you fly to a time zone but then you go back home again and that's when all the trouble starts and you go I knew we should never have gone home <laughs> this has taught us one thing and that is that we should always yeah. be in sunny climates <laughs> that's 
is quite tricky. But I think in general, as I think about going around the world, lots and lots of people want to have, I suppose, what we would call probably British values. I don't know. I mean, I would call it traditional foundational parenting. But the, the British nanny, it's something of legend, isn't it? It is, really. Lots of different places and people want to have a little bit of, dare I say, order in their lives with their babies and their children. So they're looking for that sort of advice. And if they're not looking for that, then they're not going to come in my direction. You know, people who co-sleep attachment parenting aren't going to come anywhere near me because actually that's not really what I go for. But you know what? If they want to do it and it works, fine. Who am I to say not to do it? You know, I'm not going to lay the law down. But if somebody comes to me and says they want to sleep with their baby and would I go and be a maternity? I say, well, there's not much point. There's not enough room in the bed, actually. (laughs) Exactly. What are you supposed to say? Exactly. Spooning. (laughs) I look as cute as a button. That's the sound of someone telling us we need one last item. Not terribly exciting, but it's some really nice hand cream. My hands get really dry from working with babies and always washing my hands. So I've got some lovely hand cream there. Rachel, you spend the whole time taking care of others, and I'm sure Jess would agree. You make people feel incredibly relaxed. But how do you unwind? Is there something luxurious you indulge in? Yes, away from away from the babies and things. I love having a massage. I love having a massage. Yeah. Um, What else do I like doing? Because I want Um, to know who's giving you a break. Yeah. When you get when you get a bit of a treat. Well, um, I love walking. That's where I switch off. And um, we've got this lovely yellow Labrador, and we've got a little border terrier staying with us, who's flown in from Dubai. Yeah, we saw her on the way in. She's wearing shades and driving a Bugatti Veyron. Yeah. (laughs) She's coming. She's come to stay for six weeks. Actually, yes, walking. And because we're very blessed to live near Dartmoor, I do a lot of walking. That is actually the way I switch off and just get right out away from everybody. Yeah. I mean, my dream is to get in the car and just drive to Scotland and have a cottage, not see anybody for a week. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's silly, but I want an egg for pudding. Rachel, we've absolutely loved having you on our show today. Thank you. We've had great fun. It's been lovely. I actually feel calm and... I feel like I want to have another baby just so that I can put all of this into practice and do it right this time. You always want to have another baby. (laughs) Stop using Rachel as an excuse. (laughs) An enabler. (laughs) So if you want to find out more about Rachel Wadilove or if you need her to come and work some of her magic on your family, her website is rachelsbabies.com and you're on Twitter, aren't you, Rachel? I am and Facebook, Rachel's Babies on Facebook. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Handbags Podcast and we will speak to you again next week thank you so much for listening we've loved it bye 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 yeah you can